to Not So Much The Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I'm your host, Kareem, joined as ever by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. No adjectives today. You're wow. just who you are. I, I, I feel... I feel sad now. That is because I don't want to spend any more time than necessary talking about this episode. <laughs> so, welcome to Season 2, Episode 3, The Changeling, or, hey baby, wanna kill all humans? Yes, <laughs> let's kill all humans! Yeah, so another person to add to my growing list of Star Trek writers whom I would gladly... I don't... I don't want to say I would physically threaten them with violence, but I would definitely, like, take a pugilist stance... And make a really big pout at them. So these are people you are not offering a ride to the bar to. <laughs> Am I in the habit of offering people a ride to the bar? I don't know. Do I troll the streets looking around for riders of Arrow to take into my <laughs> minivan? <laughs> no, I do. Just for the record, I do not have a kidnapping van. <laughs> I have a tiny car, <laughs> which could at most fit two members of the Fifty Shades of Grey cast. Just saying, Hugh Dancy. Just saying. So, John Meredith, Meredith Lucas, writer of The Changeling, you're on notice. <laughs> oh, your face is just precious. I am very angry. <laughs> I considered going on strike for this episode. Really? Now you know how I feel a lot of the time. What you are feeling right now is how I feel about most of the original series so far. Well, here's the deal, Kim. You're wrong. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But I will admit that there are parts of this episode that I love. I'm sure you can all guess. It's the part where Kim out... Sorry, not Kim. <laughs> Please erase that. Where Kirk outsmarts a computer. My problem is that this is not the first or last episode where that happened. No. Uh, yeah, we got to that. I was like, oh, Kirk's just outsmarting a computer. Again. 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 Is that a word that we should be saying after that sentence? No. No. I give you one Outsmarts a Computer episode. This is like four? There are four. Yeah. I think this episode also inspired oh, definitely. the motion pictures, which it, I don't the remember. The motion picture. I do not remember because I have not been awake through it. Well, this is basically the plot of the motion picture, actually, which I think is why I liked it more than you, because I actually really like the motion picture. So Again, I have no idea whether I like yeah, the motion you, picture no or idea. because I have never been awake through the motion picture. Yeah. So, well, the motion picture is that they find an old Earth probe. There's like a big, there's a murderous, mysterious alien force, and it turns out that it's one of the Voyager probes that was like super upgraded and modded by an alien race. There's like at least least one episode of Voyager sort of like that, where they find an old Earth probe that's been crashed and is like Mm -hmm. slowly poisoning a civilization. Oh, and there's also the one where Belana Torres designed a a probe weapon thing. For the murder drone. Yeah, it was a murder drone, and it ends up in the Delta Quadrant for reasons. There's a next-gen one about an Earth probe, too, but I think it's supposed to be from later in the timeline. This one is... Also episodes of Eureka. Yes, also episodes of Eureka. Because every science fiction thing has to do a murder probe. Well, no, I, I don't think... That's, like, meant to be the thrust of this. It's sort of like, oops, <laughs> oops murder. What are you thrusting with your probarring? No. 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 Too early crane. Um, but, no, I the thing I like about this, and it's not like the evil computer or whatever, which I think is rooted in a very early understanding of artificial intelligence. It isn't really reflected even in no, what we have I, now. No, 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 no. I think... This is very much a through line through science fiction. Oh, the yeah, fear absolutely. Of technology, and, the fear yeah, of course. At any point, technology a could go... A justifiable fear, thank you yes. very much. But this particular... <laughs> Can your flip phone could still kill you. <laughs> yes. But the, this particular 
this particular sort of this this way of defeating evil machines is like they're arguing them out of the logic and it's like that wouldn't really work now because of the way that artificial intelligence actually has developed and it's charming in an old-timey kind of way, but it mostly makes me just laugh because you couldn't argue a computer into exploding itself. That's I silly. I feel like we should put in a fail-safe so that we can. Well, I mean, well we have other fail-safes. There's, I mean, when you're talking about, like, a computer you can argue into exploding into itself, there with Google just had to take an AI offline because three days after releasing it, or Microsoft, yeah. three days after releasing it, it had turned into a misogynist, racist piece of garbage. Teenage piece of garbage. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was like a teenage girl who like loved Hitler and really just wanted yeah. to bang everything. So they were like, oh shit, we lo- like this is what happens. But so I they still- kind of did argue yeah. it into self-destructing. Well, not exactly, because the, the idea behind this, this trope, and it is very much a classic science fiction trope, is the idea that that we can ultimately defeat evil computers because they are too rigid in their thinking to really outthink humans who are supposed to be more flexible because we're all squishy and emotional and stuff um and i do find it charming but i also laugh at it really hard because it probably wouldn't work um but no what i actually really like about this this plot line both in this episode and in the motion picture is you tell is the whole this 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 lovely childlike idea that our 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 efforts at exploring beyond our solar system ultimately, to some degree, succeed. And at this point, they had no evidence to believe that that was so. That is not the thesis statement of this episode. Is no, it's not the thesis statement. It's just space corrupts and then okay. corrupts all of our efforts and will eventually end in genocides. I do not agree. I firmly disagree with you. I mean, by this point, we're supposed to believe that they have had, obviously, they have had success at, at exploring beyond our solar system but at this point in the actual real world we had a few probes that had gone out but we had no evidence of any of them surviving or coming back or going out very far at all okay i would grant you that that is like beauty of exploration yes we send these things out into the unknown it's a ship in a bottle yeah not, a not message in a bottle yes not knowing what we might get yeah except what we got back ari was a killer robot yes but not but not like that was an accident ari accidentally a killer ari, robot kim What's the death toll of this episode <laughs> due to evil robot? Four billion and four. Is that all? Yeah. Well, I'm so, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not arguing the premise. <laughs> At what point does it become? Oh, just four billion and four, and that's not counting ones that got in the way previous to them yeah. coming to the myth. No, I was. That, that's just the, that we actually know. Yes. Of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Documented for billion and four. And yeah. four. Don't forget the and four. No, the four. Two, were... two of those brought them on themselves. <laughs> they did. But... No. It, it, it's, it's, it's also, I don't know. I, I can't help looking at this episode alongside the plot of the motion picture, which was, I mean, still a murderous space robot of some description, but was a, was slightly more hopeful in its. Don't look at me like that. You would never stay awake through the entire it thing. It murdered people. Okay, Ari, I would grant you this if you drew a parallel to Eureka, which they sent the probe mm. up, and the probe came back as Kim, as not me? the one sitting across. Oh, I was <laughs> like, oh, I didn't know I was in the show. Hey, cool. But as a. AI. A computer-built AI, like a biological computer. Yeah, and that was hopeful. This robot kills people! I think it was just the, the, the idea that any of our attempts to probe beyond the solar system had been at all successful. Successful in the way that they killed 4 billion people? No, in no. Successful, successful I suppose, in the, in the sense that it made contact with the yeah. alien civilization. I mean, yes, the alien civilization then sort of nice destroyed way. it and corrupted it and changed its entire being, but it made contact. 
And the thing is that it, it wasn't like, it wasn't even like in um, the motion picture where it's a deliberate alteration of the probe's like mandate or mission or whatever. This was an accident where they collided and both of them ultimately like were intended to have benign purposes, but bam, and everything went horribly wrong. So that, but that seems to say that our unsubstantiated efforts to go up into space are going to end in murder. Due to things outside of our control. But you could also look at it as, it's a good thing we didn't know that survived, because it might have completely talked us out of ever trying to explore space. Maybe this is a cautionary tale. To the past? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so while we're talking about this, um, I wanted to talk to you guys and find out what do you think of the title and the analogy that they use within this in this episode for the probe of being like a fairy changeling child, which was, you know, where the people used to think that their baby was not their baby and had been replaced by fairies with a changeling so you'd take it and leave it on a cliff over and survived overnight, your baby was brought back. And the evil thing that was going to sort of, you know, with, you know, replaced or whatever. I think it's shaky. I think it's a shitty metaphor. I thought it was a shitty metaphor too. I didn't want to check. No. (laughs) All counts three for three. That's a terrible metaphor. Yeah. I I love the idea of change. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We had a book when we were growing up. The book of of um, it was the book of changelings, mm. and it was a whole bunch of collection of changeling stories, um, from all different parts of the world. And I remember my mom at one point saying that one of my sisters was like a changeling child because she'd been very very calm, very very, and then one night. The ghost of her father showed up and put Satan into her. I don't know. It was complicated. But anyways, <laughs> like, that she was a changeling child. Like, like Is this the sister that I think it is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's quickly move on. <laughs> but I love the idea of the changeling child. And there is a really good book called um, Cuckoo's Song by Frances Harding, which is an amazing changeling story. Ooh. This, however. Is a terrible changeling story. It doesn't make any sense. No, this no. is like this is like the the episode with the Gorn where they throw in at the last like twenty two seconds that oh well we were in their territory all along obviously we were the bad guys from the beginning and you're like mm, too late too late to push that in. I would have preferred what they did at the end where they tacked on that this is Kirk's son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that when you send your child out into the world, you don't know what will come what back. is going to come yeah, exactly yeah, what is yeah. going to come back i also but... think it would have worked better as an analogy if the probe hadn't been so obviously malicious from the start like if it didn't start the conversation by throwing unbelievably powerful energy blasts in an attempt to destroy the enterprise the other thing that didn't work for me about this is that the whole point of the changeling is you're able to get your child back there is method for that and there there was no way that they were going to end up with having our benign earth probe back yeah. again or, and and that you're not 100 percent sure that it isn't your child no okay kim the more we talk about this the more i'm slowly coming around no, to it. no it's, it's that you, you put your child out into the world and at a certain point when they're when their philosophy or their way of life or their decisions vary so wildly from what your intentions had been for them the only explanation that maybe you could have is that well that isn't my child that's that's something else. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, like, they sent the probe out with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was switched or changed or swapped with something Damaged, else. whatever. Yeah. No, I've, I've won myself around to this, Kim. Mm. I still think it's shaky. I mean, I can see what they were trying to do. I... I... I don't know. For me, the change, the whole thing, the changeling thing is so wrapped up in the infant on the hillside who's been stolen by the fairies. And the part where you expose a baby on the cliff top. Yeah, that I can't hope so. There's also the part where you leave your child unattended. And that's how the fairies get it. Like, you don't provide adequate 
Super. protection mm-hmm. for the child. And so the, the malicious forces are able to kind of swoop in and take your your precious child, your ideal child away. Yeah. And yeah. so in the same way, when we send these probes out, when we send these, these baby technologies out, we don't provide them with enough protection. I mean, we do have this very, very uh, anthropomorphic relationship with space probes and... and Yes. Yeah, we really do. And in very, very real sense, usually by the time they send data back, they are, compared to whatever current technology we have by then, very infantile in terms of technological development. Like, the Voyager probes, holy crap. You couldn't run, like, solitaire on them. They're so, so old-fashioned. But they're still sending signals back. This like, is, Or at least we, we still get information from them. That's something I had never actually thought about until right now, but that's, we do treat Earth, we do treat probes in, like, sentient beings and things to be celebrated. Like, all the ones that are on Mars right now, there's one up there that sings happy birthday, happy birthday to mm-hmm. itself. They tweet at us, like, you treat, they have names and you treat them like somebody who's sort of off on a distant voyage and you get to see their photos when they post them on Instagram. That's a very interesting... They're, they're emissaries of the entire human race. hear the people talk about the comet, the comet probes, and the way that it bounced, and, oh, it didn't quite make it, and you hear them talking about when they were monitoring that mission, when they were getting information back, because there's a huge delay when this was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd be like, oh, we, we didn't know if it had made it or not, and it kept telling us that there were problems, and we didn't know what it was, and it's like they're talking about a pet. Well, the nomad is quite sad in that it's looking yeah. for its its father. It wants yeah. to go home. Yeah, it wants to complete its mission. Yes. Hot I... damn! I think I'm coming around on this. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side, Kip. And in a way, if you take a step back and think about it, the story of the nomad is incredibly tragic. Mm-hmm. It really is. It just wanted to do a really good job and then come home. Yeah. yeah. Even though that probably wasn't part of its original mandate. But sending information back was. I mean, that's what the motion picture is about. It's Voyager, the original Voyager, trying to come back to complete its mission, i.e. deliver its information. Like, come back and complete its mission by giving all of this information that it has gone out to the universe to gather and, and compile to, to benefit humankind. It just wants to make its dad proud. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so upset. And that is why I like the motion picture, despite the hilariously bad uniforms. Kareem! Aw, (laughs) Kareem! This touches on a lot of my dad issues. (laughs) Do we need to pause for a minute? Very deeply. I think I'm... Tea break. Tea break. (laughs) Okay, so the other thing I wanted to talk about in this episode before we get into the recapping is something we already talked about briefly. Four billion dead people. Yeah. This is not the first time that we've had entire civilizations on the show killed off. How many mm-hmm. times have this is? It's least... like we're at least three of, that I can it's think like of a on Garth the top Nick's of my head. Novel. So yeah. my question is: Is this a result? Is this like a immediate? Because like this is the like like late nineteen sixties. We're only like twenty twenty five max years from World War Two. Is this like a post World War Two horror reaction type thing where the most awful thing we can think of that can possibly happen is to have like this kind of mass death or why is it that we're constantly having entire civilizations of people being murdered i think it's a cold war thing yeah i I would agree that the cold war and the threat that loomed over everything and if you read about kind of memoirs during this era or um, fiction that takes place there is always the constant looming threat that at any moment Nuclear war could erupt, and your the the entire North America would be destroyed within minutes. 
it would seconds. Be over. It would be done. Like you wouldn't really even have any warning. No, no. Just and, flash and you're gone. And I think that Kim very cleverly ties into this episode in that these people had no warning, no nothing. Yeah. And then their civilization was gone. Not a speck left of them. Just like after a nuclear war, a nuclear mm-hmm. winter, like there would be nothing left. Yes. Nothing to show that a civilization had and at been this their point, ultimate destruction. Yeah, and at this point it was still a, a, a real and constant fear as opposed to the one that we have numbed ourselves out of really worrying about at our point. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But I, I think you were right. Like it's a bit disturbing. Yeah. Because I mean, my my initial thought was like, is this some sort of reaction to the Holocaust, where this is still such a fresh thing that somebody could just like kill massive numbers of people, and it's such a because I mean, even now it's like it's like the ultimate horror is all of this death. I and think the more parallel would be um, Hiroshima. Hiroshima. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. it's instantaneous mm-hmm. and yeah. implacable. And, and it's, it's in person, and not to say yeah. that the Holocaust was an impersonal thing, but yeah. in that someone from up high drops a bomb and ends everything. Yeah, never okay. having to see the faces, never having to interact with the people that whose lives they're ending, whose civilization they are destroying. And Hiroshima was total devastation, mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, and again, remote a moment. Yeah. yeah. Now we have drones. Yeah, yeah. no, I just, it, it just, when I was, like, because I'm counting the death count, and the first, like, the first thing, <laughs> one of the first things I wrote on my page was four billion dead. And yeah. I'm like, this keeps happening over and over and over again in this series. I expect it will happen a few more times. Also, in terms of writing, it's very easy, shorthand, oh, yeah. and sloppy for writers to yeah, just absolutely. raise the straights very high. Serious business. And when Ari and I were referencing um, Garth Nix, yeah. it... it <laughs> he the, has a problem. The death toll is crazy, and it's always before the story even starts. Yes, like, like thousands, just to situate millions you, of people millions died. died, and so at a certain point, you're like, mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, at a certain point, the number just becomes a giant number, and you can't really deal with it on an individual scale, and it just becomes too much. I feel like enough. Oh, it was terrible. Four kajillion dead. Yeah. Like, just a hand wave. Oh, yeah. It's really bad. And you know because it's in the billions. And, I mean, that's kind of a hazard that you run with any, like, space-based science fiction because the scale is automatically bigger. But yeah. they throw it a lot around a lot in early Star Trek. And I do think it's very much a Cold War reaction thing. It's also very stupid. Much like the rest of this episode. <laughs> Nothing happened in this episode. Like, There for... was a killer robot. Well, I mean, for the fact that there was, like, it was a 50-minute episode... There was a killer robot who showed up. Yeah. And he killed somebody. Killed four billion and four people, Kim. And then he died. The end. Well, he also moved around the ship very slowly. It was like having the most awkward old relatives sort of show up at your house and you can't get them to leave. And they just keep shuffling and following you around and yeah. killing your relatives. And saying, like, racist things and... It wasn't a bad robot. things about your neighbors. He just had... He was like an investment banker. <laughs> stockbroker. He was a stockbroker, a real estate agent. Mm. Morally corrupt in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, Kim. This is a very boring episode <laughs> with a killer robot in it. I know. Which is all the more disappointing in that it is a boring episode about a killer robot. Like, And not just a regular killer robot. Eight billions of people at a time. Killer robot. But I just... And it's down to daddy issues of the killer robot. (laughs) The killer robot and daddy issues. Oh my god. The killer robot and J.J. Abrams have a lot of things (laughs) on But 
You're right. It is deathly dull. The most interesting thing for me is when the killer robot took the elevator. <laughs> no, 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 no. Where the killer robot sneaks into the Jeffrey's tube and you see it slowly appearing When he takes the elevator. Like, in original series, you need a hand. You have to yes. hold onto the handle and turn it. How did he do it? Does I he have, like, appendages? We've seen an antenna. I've seen the killer robot interface with the ship's computers. Oh, man. I don't think it's the actual, like, holding onto the handles that dictate where you go. But is this a physics problem? Like, if he's hovering and the elevator goes really fast, is he smacked to the bottom or is he smacked to the top? He's smacked to the bottom, I would think. Oh, get the Mythbusters on this. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh. oh, wait. So, the other thing that I very quickly want to talk about before we quickly go over this episode, because nothing happens, <laughs> is Uhura. Oh, Uhura. I have really mixed feelings about this. Well... Like, really, really mixed feelings about this, that I kind of want to get to when we actually get to it, because it's one of the only things that happens in the episode. Yes. It's interesting. I, I was very pleased to see at the beginning that she was definitely getting more of a character and definitely more of like a little backstory and interacting with our main characters less like a space secretary, more like a space lieutenant. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed that. I don't know what the balls they were thinking with that certain plot development, but I also want to say this is probably one of the few original series episodes that passes the Bechtel test. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful, the whole, all the all the Christine and Ahura spending time together, and that was lovely. And I also like, even though it is couched in some, I don't even know what to call this situation. Is it problematic? I'm sure it's problematic, but like, does it, I don't even know. I, A, don't know why they did it. Oh, BT Dubs, the evil robot wipes her Ahura's mind. Brain or something? Wipes her memories? I think. Who knows? But I, I do want to couch this in, that is not how memory works. No, and of course not. So I don't, I, I, I don't know what they think they were saying with this particular subplot because that's A, not how memory works. B, it's maybe how they thought memory worked. What are, but they didn't maybe do they, anything with it. No, they didn't do anything with it. And I think they maybe sort of hand waved it, one, because they didn't really care that much, honestly. And two, because they actually thought that you could just fix that. Well, she did go from grade two to a college level in about 45 minutes. Now, does yeah. that say more about their amazing educational programs? Or is Nyota Uhura just that amazing? Uhura is just that Uhura amazing. Uhura is just that I'm willing amazing. to believe him. Well, I don't... It just felt like another tool to, like... Like the four billion people dead, it was like a stakes raising tour, like tool. Thing. Yeah, like he—it's just really—he can damage you this badly. He can completely wipe your memory and everything you know, and just turn you into this vegetable. But it's okay, we can fix it yeah, because she's a main character. It's just desperately awkward end? that the character they chose to do that with was the only black woman character on the show. I think it was also the most expendable person on the bridge. That too. Um, to be mean about it. I, I feel like, and I hope I'm right, at this point they wanted to give her character a little bit more to do. Yeah, and I'm glad about that. And I also really like that we got to see her speaking Swahili. And I also really like that we got her singing again. The same <laughs> damn song. Well, it is her favorite song. It clearly is her favorite song. No, <laughs> and this is a departure that I'm sure had nothing to do with any of their intentions because I don't think that they're this smart. But, you know, the idea that I choose to believe because it's the only way it doesn't sound completely completely stupid is that he didn't actually wipe her memories. He just dissolved certain connections with memories, like the way that 
strong kinds of amnesia would. I'm sure they didn't intend this because. I think but, you are devoting way more brain power. Well, to this I, I can't help necessary. it. I have to try and reconstruct the bits to make anything make any sense. I and think it was just to make the episode 52 minutes long, because honestly, yeah. it makes no sense. It has no stakes, and it bears nothing towards the plot. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the same with, like, Scotty dies in this. But, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. By, yeah. by the way, guys. Scotty, Scotty dies. dies. And for Bones gets to say, he's dead, dead Jim. Jim. Which I cheered. Yeah, but he's only too. dead for, like, ten minutes, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, I mean, that again, it was just another stakes-raising tool. It's like... It was on the same way. It was something that, you know, it's not going to stick. You know, he's going to be fixed by the end of the episode. The the other thing, it's like, I get annoyed. And I know that this is an old sci-fi, 60s television thing, but when they use huge high stakes things and then immediately reverse them. And like, it just, it cheapens it. And this was a pretty cheap episode, all things considered. But I mean, even putting aside, not that I'm saying we should, even putting aside the picking the only black character to basically reduce her to child childhood which is mm. but like why do this if you're not gonna stick with it like and this wasn't just like one character oops dead and then magically revived it was two characters really <laughs> within what? about a minute and a half what a waste of a killer robot <laughs> all, all all in all yeah it's it's the two big problems that we've had like structurally with star trek which is no b plot mm. and no institutional memory no consequences but also this is another one to add in our column of superhuman impossible enemies this is what star trek is essentially all about is enemies that seemingly from the surface are totally unbeatable yeah i'm really looking forward to next gen i'm gonna miss kirk so much don't worry he keeps coming back for a while and he's mentioned frequently he looks so concerned all the time Gone, but not from our hearts, Crane. Oh, and my pants. Okay, so uh, the episode starts in boring space when they're trying to they're trying to get a hold of one of these four billion people, none of whom is picking up the yes, phone. Another missing colony. Or because was it a colony? They, no, it was an, an alien it's civilization. An race it was gone. Alien civilization. There's like I think at some point maybe mentioned there's like four planets gone, yeah, just wiped out. Whoops. Well, the planets are there, but there's nobody on them. Yeah. No. Um, at which point Kirk is like, oh, woe is me. He immediately sits down on a console. I'm surprised the, that the Enterprise does not do more, like, butt phaser firing. Because everyone just <laughs> casually plonks themselves down on any console. Riker available. does it even more than Kirk does. Mmm. Riker. Yeah, but Kirk has a much firmer butt. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't last week they heard from these people this time they are seriously ghosting the enterprise <laughs> and suddenly they get hit with a giant green light yeah that's really all that happens at the beginning of this episode uh there's an entirely in race that isn't picking up the phone and then there's a giant blast of green light i did think the special effect of the green bolt looked very cool i agree really yeah i thought it looked really neat it was all like swirly and coming at them and it was a great color and i don't know if it was a product of the remastering or if it was that's what it looked like in the original but i thought it looked very cool i actually remember this one it's it was more like surface detail-y but the basic effects were the same how do you remember anything about this episode i have seen the original series at least twice i remember nothing about because there's not that much to remember about this episode yeah Yeah, this is another thing it's like there's all these episodes that we're watching and i'm just like i have no memory of ever seeing this before. Well, I'm glad that as soon as we stop talking about this, I'm going to stop letting this episode have any banks in my memory. <laughs> we are done. So, 
here is my problem. The green thing is shooting at them, and Kirk's like, evade! Now, rather than trying to, like, go up or go down or, shall we say, evade it, they just go full steam right into it. It's not, it is contained. It is a contained ball of green light. So, you are in space. Mm-hmm. It has time and dimensions and space. Mm-hmm. So, why not just, like, go up and it will go past you like the dodgeball in high school gym class? That, that is a good point. Although, I would argue that probably the giant green bolt of implacable light would probably just follow you anyway. We don't know that. We haven't tried. Yeah. Point for aim. Thank true. you it's so it is a, much. It is a fault you of... You just go most. to the side. To the left, to the left, Enterprise. Yep. Fault of most space shows, unfortunately. So, at this point, the math devolves very quickly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I started paying attention. <laughs> Wow, Which was why? a mistake by me. Okay. So, <laughs> I just went nonsense and stuff. Bank attention. Blah, blah, blah. Bang, no, no, bang. no, 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 no. The shields are up. They could absorb the energy from three to four more pulses. Uh-huh. Each pulse is the equivalent of 90 photon torpedoes. With each hit, the shields go down 20%. Nonsense. It is Shut nonsense. up. Actually, it does turn out to be nonsense because they take way more than four hits and they are fine. Yeah. This entire, like, and also, like, 90 photon torpedoes, they fire, like, one torpedo at the bolt. And then shield their eyes. Yeah. Why are they shielding their eyes? That's not a window. It's screen. Why wouldn't you just filter it? But no, like, they would need 90 of those to equal one of these blasts? Yes. Like, that's ridiculous. They should be dead immediately. And then they're surprised that it doesn't work. Well, no, here's the thing. They're like, oh, no, we're losing powers. They're... They can't apparently move too fast because they diverted from the warp engines to the shields, but that doesn't make any they sense. They burn out the warp engines. Because all the energy should go to the shields because if you take another probe and you guys apparently have never heard of ducking, <laughs> you're going to get it right in the face. Uh, on the subject mm-hmm. of the math, I assume that Scotty is doing his trademark saying it's way harder than it is thing. Scotty should be fired. Well, apparently he does that so that he sounds really cool when he pulls it off. I really enjoy that Scotty has gone from, like, the most, like, most valuable character in every episode to, like, would you stop talking and make sense? (laughs) I just, no one's like, hey, uh, Scotty, didn't you at the beginning of this cold open say that we could only take four pulses? Uh, maybe he was just motivating them to run faster. Maybe. Because, like, at no point. They don't run at all! That's the other thing. It's like, they know, at no point, they're just like, Let's leave this system and come back later. <laughs> like, maneuvers aside. Invasion mm-hmm. aside. Why isn't leave an option? Although, in retrospect, we definitely know it would have followed them. Um, while all this is happening, Kirk does his usual where he tells Uhura to send Starfleet his diaries. <laughs> <laughs> just the juicy bits. Yeah. They measure thing in kilometers. Again, I'm just going to keep track of that. Metric, imperial system, they go both ways. <laughs> um, Chekhov is nowhere to be seen. No. Which comes and goes. Again, is a poor indicator of the future enjoyment of this episode. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's... I didn't even notice he was there. Yeah, I guess he wasn't. No. Poor Chekhov. Um, And they finally get a signal off of the thing. Um, They have to give it access to the ship's libraries because they can't... That's nonsense. ...talk to it. And I... Okay, what I think they were trying to convey here is that it has a much higher processing speed than the Enterprise does... Which, fine, I guess. Sure. Um, and when it tries to communicate with them, it, like, blows out some important ship's library thing. Was this, like, when I wanted to play Commander Keen on yes. my computer and I had to push the button to slow it down? Yes, just like that. Gotcha. Yeah. The, the, 
they have they have to tell the probe to turn it put itself in turbo so that it can talk to the Enterprise. Gotcha. Nice. Uh, yeah. Spock puts on an earpiece to talk directly to the computer. Yeah, I think he's getting reports so that we don't have to have that painful reading out from the library records voice again. No, 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 no. Have you seen? You guys have all seen Galaxy Quest. Yes. yes. Where Sigourney Weaver she says her character like all I literally did was repeat back what the computer said. Yeah. Without the earpiece, that's what Spock would be doing, just repeating what the computer says. Yeah. And he's actually that's what he's doing at that moment. It's true. But you can't hear the computer voice. That's yeah. true. Because remember earlier we get the computer reading stuff aloud, and it's like, oh, that takes five hundred years, so let's stop doing it. The difference though is. Michelle Barrett was in this episode, and when she's in an episode, they try not to use the computer voice. Yeah. So that you don't, so it's less noticeable. Yeah. There's, um, there's an, actually, there's an episode of Next Generation where Loxana Troy is wandering around the ship trying to figure something out. And so what she does is she walks up to a panel and she goes, knock, knock, computer, show me how to get here. And instead of the computer being like, you know, go to the next junction and turn right. You get lights flashing along yeah. the thing for her to follow because they don't want to have her talking to the computer. At least not in the same scene. It's pretty great. Oh, yeah. It's pretty splendid. So apparently the ship that has been firing them is tiny. Teeny and tiny. so Kirk says size doesn't matter. It's also very heavy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Spock yes. that says size doesn't matter. I don't think Kirk would say that. Mm, that's because Kirk doesn't have to. So the, the ship starts talking to them in chipmunk voices. Yeah. And um, Spock basically, they, they slow, I think Uhura is the one that figures this out. She says, this is like really, really old style interplanetary code. Um, and they're like, oh, well, it's just coming in too fast. So they slow it down. So here's another part. Spock says, we'll send this to the analysis department. And then before doing that, immediately analyzes it <laughs> and reports back. I think though that is a redundant department, and if I was an efficiency expert coming into the bridge of the Enterprise, I would fire all of them. Or Spock just calls himself the analysis department. <laughs> Kirk thinks there's like three guys down there, but it's really just Spock talking in different voices. Here, let me, let me consult. Spock, what do we think about this? He's padding so. the budget. Yeah. <laughs> Gets a little extra for himself. God damn. He knows he's going to live for a couple hundred years. He yeah. needs that retirement fund. He needs a pension. So they, so they let, <laughs> they, they contact the, the tiny, tiny ship and they say, um, you can hook into our library. And Mistake. then it promptly burns out the library computer. Okay. Another point that I would like to bring up because I am deeply distressed by the engineering design of the Enterprise is that when Spock's console starts shouting out because the computer is too turbo for it, he says, Ohura, cut the power. Why is your electrical engineering panel controlled by communications? Why is it possible? Why is why are we suggesting that the bank, the library banks, are located physically in the panel that Spock is accessing? Because it's the sixties. Didn't work like that even in the sixties, Kim. I'm just saying. But whatever, they needed some sparks and smoke for dr- drama. I assume. You're a technology expert here. You should have the answers. Don't ask me questions. No I, am, I am an expert. I'm saying that it's wrong. I am trying to figure <laughs> out how that is wired. And it doesn't make any no, sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. None of it does. Um, the probe then introduces itself. I oh am nomad. And tells them that its mission is non-hostile. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. I just tried to blow you up like 700 Here's times. Here's the it's thing. Cool. If someone shoots at my feet three times and says, Hi, I'm Barney. I'm here for good times and fun. <laughs> I don't believe them. They are probably a gangster. <laughs> and or immediately says, Hey, can you leave your ship and come for a visit? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> As we have discussed previously, Kim, we don't go into strangers' houses. No. <laughs> but I just really like the reasoning that like Kirk's like, Mmm. We're too big. 
<laughs> and the robot calls him stupid. And um, the robot's like, hey, why don't I come over here? Yeah. Do which they to play. definitely agree to for <laughs> whatever crazy. reason. And again, Scotty does prove his usefulness in that Kirk's like, yeah, do you need anything special to come over for a play date? I, liked, I actually liked that. That was very clever. That was very clever, because it actually, he asked him, do you need any special atmosphere or conditions? Which is like, oh, at least for like two and a half seconds, they're thinking about this. And then it's over. It's yeah. like, no, it's like when someone's coming over to dinner for your house, it's like, do you have any special dietary requirements? Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. Um... So yeah, they invite the person who was just shooting at them, who is likely the reason why four billion people are not picking up the phone. Yeah. Um, they hang up, and Scotty immediately turns around and goes, "I'm sorry." What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kirk actually, in another thrilling display of logic, first of many in this episode, says, "Well, it can't shoot at us from our own ship." I don't think he's really. I don't out. think does he understand how weapons work. Well, I don't think that, I think, I, I, I don't know how they didn't make this connection, but I don't think they realize that the ship is the whole entity. Yes. <laughs> because they beam it aboard, I think they expect to, like, something squishy and bio- biological, and then, oh, no, it's the whole ship? But it's it also, uh, again, I'm going to give props to Kirk in that, you know, they are in a no-win situation, so might as well invite it over for a play date. Yeah, might as well. Anyway, they beam it aboard, and it demands... They beam it aboard. They beam it aboard. They beam it aboard. Yeah. And uh, it immediately begins interrogating them. Okay, so it's a computer that, at its base, at its core, it looks like a mouse trap. And then on, yeah, the box, that's a mouse trap. Okay. Yeah, it's a mouse trap. Okay. It had all sorts of different shapes all together. <laughs> and many lights and colors. Many lights. And then an antenna from a old-timey television. Uh, three antennas. Oh, sorry. Um, I and loved the antennas. They were so cute. <laughs> they extended. Four billion people, Kim. Aww. And it, it, it is obviously <laughs> on some kind of fish wire. Um, I actually really liked that effect. I did. I liked it because there were points where that was genuinely unsettling. Yeah. Fine. Mainly when it was just like I'm going over here now, and everyone was just like, "Uh, fine." The best part is is that it transports down, and Shatner's face for a moment. There's just a look all over it that says, "Yes, this is where my career is now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm acting up against a box. mousetrap." <laughs> oh. Just total, like, existentialist despair. Aww. It is glorious. So, the little box has lots of demands. Mm-hmm. It wants to know where they're from. And they tell it, and um, they tell them, and they, they tell it they're from the United Federation of Planets, and it's like, that that's meaningless nonsense. I will Non-secretary, your, your facts are uncoordinated. Which it says several times. And it says, that's fine, I will just scan all of your star charts, and just goes. <laughs> And everyone's like, uh, okay, this way, I, I guess? I kind of like the little, it's so, like, perky and assertive, and it just wants to get stuff done. Yes. Just wants the facts, none of the chit-chat. Exactly. And, uh, Kirk, as it's creeping, creepily, like, floating out the door, basically, is like, oh, wasn't there an Earth probe called Nomad? Launched in the, uh, early 2000s, apparently. <laughs> sure, Fine. So the little doobly-doo goes into the engineering department, 
um, to scan their star charts, which they keep in the engineering department. I think this was supposed to be a different place, but it looked basically, yeah, it was the engineering set. I don't care. The only thing, again, is that there is Mr. Singh. Oh, uh, Mr. Singh. Who, again, has a look that crosses over his face. What can only be described as existentialist despair. <laughs> Mr. Singh, who deserved better. But who didn't die? Who didn't die? Who didn't die? That was a nice was surprise. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and so the little doobly-doo decides that Kirk is its creator, the Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Kirk. And has as its mission sterilization, which I had to back process a little bit. <laughs> um, oh, I wipe up biological infestations. It's fine. Yeah, it doesn't, it sterilizes them. And that the Kirk programmed it to do this. And... It kills what is not perfect. Yeah. And there is some kind of accident. Yeah, we get these sort of vague, like, post-traumatic ramblings about there being an accident and an other and a bunch of things. And the Golden Trio leave the room and leave Nomad with Mr. Singh. This is where I wrote, leave Nomad with Mr. Singh, who deserves better than this. But it turns out that I was wrong and he survived, so that was nice. Yeah, I I immediately wrote, Singh is going to be dead. Oh, yeah. He it did was look definitely really freaked out that he yeah. was being left alone with a robot. He's not stupid. He knows what hey, happens on this ship. That robot killed four billion people. Yeah. Do they call in a security team to keep an eye on that killer robot? Yes. No. Yeah. Not right away. No, they Almost. do not. No. They leave it alone with Mr. Singh, Poor engineering Mr. Singh. intern. Yeah. Mr. Singh is not stupid, though, because he's like, oh, I'm going to die. He almost looks for a moment like he's going to touch it. And then he's like, wait a minute, what he's color is my little jacket? <laughs> Shit, it's red. Back away. I want more of Mr. Singh. He's pretty mm-hmm. smart. He knows what's going on. We did try talking to it. He's very polite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I disturb you? To the killer you? robot. Yeah. I mean, really, you want to be polite to the killer robot. Um, and while all this is happening, and the other three have fucked off to wherever, um, Uhura calls down for some... Narrative of convenient report, and while he goes off and checks, starts singing over the intercom. Nomad is really disturbed by this and just fucks right off out of the room Again, to investigate. Is there a security detail on this killer robot that can move on its own? No. 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 Although, as it turns out, wouldn't have done much good. Why not just kick it? Did anyone try kicking it? Works for the Daleks. Well, eventually, yes. It's a little too high in the air. You'd have to do like a bitching high high roundhouse. And who do we know can do a high roundhouse with both legs at the same time? (laughs) One trained in the art of Kirk (laughs) Fu. So they're having a staff meeting talking about the actual creator, Roy Kirk, from the proud Kirk family. Is he like? Is he actually supposed to be a Kirk ancestor, or just some guy conveniently the same name? His last name is Roy Kirk. Oh yeah, his name. He's, he's got a no. He's, sure? got a, he's got a natural first. Name. I thought it was Roy Kirk. I thought no. it was Roy Kirk. No, his and last Roy, name is actually Mr. Space, Roy Space Kirk. Kirk. No, Space Kirk. No. <laughs> it's, it's something something Roy Kirk. We're gonna choose to ignore that piece of yeah, information. I, I choose Roy to Kirk. No, he's, he's not. He's not an ancestor. Good yeah. old Roy. Oh Whatever. Roy. What have um, you done, Roy? And we get that they sort of like fill in what they believe of the backstory of the nomad. Program. Not important. No cares. Not really. No. Ends with Kirk going, oh, we may have inadvertently taken a board of bomb on our ship. Whoops. Whoops-a-doo. Wait, hey, wait a minute. Where is that floating bomb anyways? Yeah. Oh, it's on the bridge. Yeah. Because 
as I have said before, and I will say again, a full bottom to top review of bridge security <laughs> needs to be performed. Yep. Yeah. Not only is not this a person this time, fine. Maybe they could be in disguise. I will grant you that that happens to the best <laughs> of us. But this is a floating killer robot that apparently just zoops itself up. Yep. Yep. Yeah, this is this was bananas. Yeah, it zipped itself onto the bridge because it needs to know why Uhura was singing. What is singing? What is music? And she's sort of like, why are you all up in my face right now? Oh, side note, Uhura has her fabulous lime green hoop earrings. Those are my favorite earrings. earrings. They're They're very good earrings. And Nomad is just like, what the fuck is music? And immediately scans her brain, yelling, think about music. (laughs) And kind of wipes out her memory. Apparently. Or whatever that means. Or whatever. So Scotty tries to jump the killer robot, which goes just about as well as you would imagine that would go. Like, just, to, just like, he listen to the sentence. Scotty jumps yeah. the killer robot, which then kills, kills him. him. Because that's what killer robots do. As a rule, yeah, it's right there in the name. That's true. So it kind of zaps him, and then through... What I think is actually physically impossible, his the body or the body of his much younger and sprier stuntman <laughs> goes flying over the railing, smacks into the side of the bridge, and is dead. Space lasers, I assume. But then Bones comes running in and gets to say, he's dead, Jim. Which is yeah. great. Or they could have been like, oh, he's dead, Jim. But wait a minute, don't we have that magical jungle juice from City on the Edge of Forever? Why don't we just pump a little bit of that into it? Nope. But no one says anything about that ever again. It's too bad. The robot is like, hmm, that one's defective. <laughs> yeah. He complains of, like, the low build quality. It also... <laughs> because he, it's like, oh, do you want me to fix it? The robot is also a sexist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The robot's like, oh, the lady unit is defective. It's a mass of conflicting impulse. Fuck you. That was so gross. Fuck. 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 That was... Fuck. Fuck, so fuck gross. John Meredith Lucas specifically. I'm sure you're dead, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Although, oh, no. I mean, it hasn't brain Still scanned angry. any male crew members, so maybe he'd think that about any of them. No, I don't care. That was just... No, straight, I'm sure that that, that was, was the straight up event. robot sexism. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was straight up robot sexism. <laughs> and so, yeah, Nomad's like, hey, do you want me to fix that, I guess? And McCoy, they're like, yeah. Get me all the pictures of things... And so McCoy's like, specs. I guess that's my job. I yeah. will get all the manuals and not get paid enough. Yeah. Then he arranges the tapes, at which point I have tapes, question mark. Yeah. And then essentially Nomad goes on a rant about how humans are soft and the worst. Yes. Yeah. Low build quality. And Kirk's like, it serves me as it is. <laughs> it definitely serves him. It does in my uh, Kirk Scotty fic. You have Kirk Scotty fic? I swing it always. Oh my god. <laughs> so at this point, I would like to point out that Kirk has some very sharp sideburns. Everybody has pretty sharp sideburns. Ooh, in this these one. are crisp. Yes. Yeah. Um, and fixes, and Nomad fixes Scott. All the while, Chapel is showing concern for someone who is not Spock. Yeah, it's good. Mm hmm. It's like she's doing her job like a professional. Yeah. For once. Scotty, when he comes back to life, is pissed. And everyone's like, dude, chill, you were dead like a minute ago. Yeah, it can't repair Uhura because its knowledge banks were wiped, whatever. They decide to re-educate her, at which point a 
deep shiver went from the bottom to yeah, the spine. The word the re-educate top. in this context is making and me very uncomfortable. I'm sure that's not what you meant, but it might be what they meant. No. It's really hard to say. No, they mean like give her back all uh-huh. of her know-hows. Uh-huh. Um, so wait, okay. This is did she just lose all like her book smarts or all her memories of the past like thirty two years of her life or however old she's supposed to be gone? Like we don't know. Well, and in fact, it's not important. Because, like, no. you see her in a little bit. She's, like, learning how to read English again. Yeah, and she clearly But she still clearly, has. she still understands, like, she's very, like, fluent in Swahili. She and just, English, verbally. Yeah. Like, what the hell? This is all nonsense. And it I is nonsense. Like we should put a bail on it. It was nonsense. Nonsense. Spock. That's not how memory works. That's fine. Spock, in a moment of what I can only call Vulcan boneheadedness, is like, hmm, "Hmm, we should study this killer robot. At which point, Kirk looks over and says, no! (laughs) Spock, say that out loud again. Killer robot. Fuck, no! We'd have to kill this thing! Yeah. And Spock's like, uh, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Although I think he's cooler with this because uh, the nomad robot, like, basically takes a look at Spock and goes, oh, well, this one's well-ordered. So, apparently... So Spock is more sympathetic as to long, the Nomad as, as long as it compliments him... It's fine. It's totally cool to kill 400, 4 billion and 1 people. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And then we get this the nice little scene with Chapel and Uhura, scene. which still has some really uncomfortable elements in it. It was um, kind of sweet. I so, do like seeing her speak Swahili, though, because it doesn't happen that often. So, Nichelle Nichols was the one who wanted yeah. Uhura to speak Swahili. Mm-hmm. She herself does not speak it. And argued with the director, saying, no, she should be speaking Swahili, because that's her first language. And mm-hmm. he disagreed. So, they had to get Roddenberry in to mediate it, and Roddenberry went with Nichelle Nichols. Which I think was a very good move. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. it's it's interesting how much on the show, and reading the, um, the latest William Shatner book about Nimoy, how much the actors had to advocate... For their character. And that's true of any show. Mm-hmm. It is. Any show, especially like an ensemble show, is that you constantly have to be advocating for your character for screen time to make sure that the, the core of them remains the same. And so it's interesting to read about Nichelle Nichols really uh, Well, especially by comparison to other shows of the era where the, the whole, the amount of actor input on character development that is now considered normal Mm. was not considered normal in the 60s. Like, it was a very different culture back then. And the Star Trek had a lot more than most other shows. It's true. Like, I feel Nimoy did a tremendous amount of work. And reading yeah. that book, it was. It was a tremendous amount of work in creating that character, both the physicality of it, um, a little bit of the background to it, um, the, the gestures. That, we don't like the, the live long and prosper gesture. Mm-hmm. That's him. Yeah. And so I think that's what... Again, what makes Star Trek so successful is that we really feel like we know these characters because the the actors worked so hard yeah. while they were they really the show, cared about advocating to make mm-hmm. sure that they were they were true. Yeah, yeah, I love. I think it's great, and I think this little whole little scene with Chapel and Ahura just being kind to each other, and Chapel just being she just wants to help and get Ahura back to who she was. I just thought it was, like, a lovely little scene. It was a nice scene. Yeah. Would have watched an entire episode of that, frankly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Disinterested in the killer robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the next scene... I think we can just... We can summarize this one. No, I want to talk about this. Really? So, what are... What... what We're faced in this impossible situation. Again. Must be Tuesday. 
of we have this being that do we want to figure anything out from it? Why would we need to figure out anything out? Because they're explorers. You want to kill it. You need to kill it. Well, that might help them kill it. Did it? No. No, not ultimately. Well, kind of. No, it did not. Anyways. So, you're like, oh, what should we do? I know. Mind melt. Always mind melt. So this was my, so my question here then is, does that mean because Spock is able to mind meld with Nomad, does that make Nomad, like, sentient life? I think so. That's a really interesting question, Kim, because he should not be able to mind meld with this thing at all because it is a robot. Yeah. It's not even an AI because, well, well, Nomad wasn't, but... Is what did it smash into? The, another probe. Conroe. So two Conroe. probes. But had I think sex. the implication is you. The implication is that the, the the other probe that it smashed into was a much more advanced. But it had no biological matter in well, it. Well, not biological, but that doesn't. How necessarily can you mind meld with an AI? It doesn't have a mind. Because well, I mean, this is to meld with. This is like this is where my question comes from. Is like, is can he ma- meld, mind meld with it because it has some form of intelligence? Because like you see him mind meld with the lava carpet. Um, yeah, in that, that one that you liked, that I hated. Yes, the Horda. Yeah. But, like, if we go forward in time, do you think anybody could mind meld with Data? I was just going to ask that, because I'm trying to remember if or anybody... Or a toaster. Well, if it was an, an intelligent and artificially That's intelligent That's not a very nice toaster. thing to say, Kim. Or Kareen. That's not a very nice thing to say. I stand by it. Just because what, it's not this, biological... What's to stop him with mind melding from my iPhone? Because your iPhone's not sentient. How do we know? Well, as far as we know, it's not sentient. Or it can mind meld with Siri. It doesn't make any sense for it to be able to well, mind think... meld with non-biological things. Yeah, that was the, that's well, where it got me. Do we actually know for a fact that, I mean, not just Vulcans, but like other empaths and telepaths in the Star Trek universe can't sense or contact or whatever entities that aren't biological and sentient? Like, I can't remember if anybody ever contacts or senses data like that and he's probably the next Troy best. cannot read no, anything Troy can't. data no no nobody can no that's his shtick and there isn't really another example that we could see this as something that is definitely sentient and also not biological not biological because even the Borg are biological yeah so they can I don't remember if Deanna ever gets any impressions off the Borg oh that's a good question I'm gonna have to watch for that but like I feel like does she, she I think does. she does does she yeah 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 because that's how she um uh there's a whole thing with her and Picard and the Borg, like, contacting the Collective through Picard. Well, I'm going to have to watch that again. And what's the one that they capture? Uh, Hugh. Hugh. Yeah. Yeah. I think she does yeah. read off of him. Okay. Yeah, like, he's um, a sentient being. But, so, but, but then, hang on, sorry, my next question about yeah. Troy would be then, what about Lore? Especially after he gets an emotion, he gets the emotion chip. Would she be able to read anything off of I lore? think there's actually a scene where she's like, I'm sensing emotion from you, and she's freaked out because she realizes it's Lore and not Data. Oh, no. But what does to be able to sense emotion mean in a machine? And because and, it's not the same way that a human yeah. being would express it. No, and, or, and, and or Troy is not a very thing. good example because she's only half. But she's, she's still an empath, and she can yeah. still read the emotional state of. I don't know people who in, like there. We know there are species. We, we know there are biological species that she can't read. Can't yeah. read the Ferengi, for instance. Yeah, there's right. because it's something to do with their the, their physiology. Yeah. Which, but with most people, she can. So, like, and I don't know. This is a question that's something we can keep an eye out for for the rest of the thing. Is like, is artificial is artificial intelligence in non biological beings considered like emotional intelligence, and can they be read by? I think telepathy. I think that most like natural telepaths and empaths wouldn't be able to read machines because at least the way we hear Betazoids and Vulcans 
later on in like next gen and later when we actually hear them try and like science out explain how their abilities work is that it's a special kind of like brainwaves it's special kind of neurotransmitters that they have and other species don't and in that sense it makes sense that it would only work with other biological entities it's like there are certain species that are genetically compatible so there would be certain species that were telepathically or empathically compatible but that also doesn't mean that you couldn't create a machine that would mimic that. Like we get um, that machine that like drives Picard crazy and it's like a telepath machine. Well, I guess it all boils down to what is a telepath reading when it's reading emotions off of other people? Is it something like a pheromone that they're releasing? Are they reading their body language? It's electromagnetic waves of some kind. They at least in next gen, that's how they describe it. That it's some kind, it's some special kind of electromagnetic field that is put off by the brain because the actual regular human brain puts off specific kinds of electromagnetic waves. You can't see it, but Kim is giving you a heavy. Well, silence. that's how they detect it and, and and describe it. I don't ever remember hearing anything about that. We'll, we'll, how, we'll yeah. put a pin in this and we'll keep an eye out for it and call it nonsense for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, Fake science, but because yeah. when it comes right down to it. Vulcans should not be able to mind meld with this probe. No, I think no. it. I think I no. think it, it shouldn't no. be able to mind meld with something that isn't sentient. But I think the fact that Spock can mind meld with it suggests that it is sentient. No, it isn't. It, I am nomad. I have my programming. It doesn't it know doesn't what opinions are. That doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that no, it's sentient. It's a program. So it is a program. It's not capable. What's the difference it, between it's that? It's not capable of abstract. Now that I'm thinking of it. It's not capable of abstract thought. Just even one contradiction about itself having any kind of self awareness completely. O- I mean, that's the whole point of the solution yeah. is is it completely overloads. I it. would say that that is just you could compare that to brainwashing. No, it is a program or just really no, rigorous it's a mental programming training. error. Yeah, that but that doesn't necessarily a paradox mean it. within its programming causes it to destroy. Yeah. I don't know. I think that there has to be sentience for Spock to be able to mind meld with it. And even if it's rudimentary sentience or accidental sentience or whatever, I think it has to be at least basically sentient or he shouldn't be able to mind meld with it. He shouldn't be able to mind meld with it. I'll agree with you for that. I'm yep. willing to accept the existence of a machine with which a biological empath or telepath would be able to communicate with, but it would have to be something deliberately created I would give to do you that. the gel packs in Voyager. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because that is a biological yeah. and... I don't think it has to be down to biology, though. I think it just has to be, like, putting off the right kinds of signals. Mm. I don't think that the Voyager probe was programmed to give off the right electromagnetic no. frequency. No, and in that storyline, there are no mind melts. Wait! No, there are! Well, okay, we'll, we'll have to when see when we get, get to that. Oh, yeah. so anyway, for now, I'm going to put a pin in this whole discussion and then just disc- uh, declare this nonsense. Yeah, he mind melds with Total it. It's, it's unnecessary. Who cares? So Kirk slams Spock up against a wall because he keeps talking about sterilization. There's a number yeah, of, like, manly huggings. Yeah. Which is always He rushes awesome. him off. There's a really stupid discussion about changelings, which Blah, 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 had. into a dump. Kirk says that the probe is space happy because it thinks it's his mother. <laughs> Yeah. So they put the probe into a holding cell with a shield that <laughs> kill a robot, burst through like it ain't no thing. Yeah. Like it is a misting station. Yeah. <laughs> the security officers... To zero people's surprise, oh, Nomad blasts out of its cell, through the wall next to the security screen, and kills the guards. Well, no. Just, just kill them. It vaporizes yeah. them. Yes. Yeah. And in... Nomad's defense. Well, they, they shoot, shoot first. first. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Yeah. No, and no one learns from this first. either because it happens again like five minutes later. Well, immediately after like downing two security guards, it beeps itself into engineering again. Yeah. Makes everything better. 
forcibly <laughs> upgrades the Enterprise. Kirk runs in. Quit it. You're going to break my ship. They go to warp 10 saying, we can't go this fast. You have demonstrably gone that fast in the past. Well, but the Enterprise can't. Like they can well, but it's gonna fall apart if they don't stop. So he's like, "Why have it, it if you can't turn drive it back?" It. Yeah, well, turn it back, turn it back right now. Nomad, like a sullen teenager, like fine, fine, and turns it back. Um, and this is where it's like, basically, I'm going back to Earth and I'm going to sterilize it. Well, this is Kirk. Kirk makes the prime, uh, prime mistake and tells Nomad that he's adopted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> And to which Nomad promptly freaks out. And runs away. And runs away to go have a really And Spock's like, good job. And Kirk's like, what a nightmare. Like, I mean, this is like the worst decision Kirk could have made. You've got like a a robot on the edge. And you tell him you were created by the humans that you really want to kill. Like, what is he expecting was going to happen? The Nomad would be like, oh man, I love you guys. Let's have a hug. I was wrong all this time. Jesus Christ, Kirk. Bless his soul. So, robot on the run, robot on the edge. Two <laughs> stupid security guards try to get in his way, and Red is dead. And then this is the part where it zoops up through a Jeffrey tube, which is <laughs> great. <laughs> Just is so good. It is. It's so funny. It's also... Uh, painfully clear when they had to stop filming because they couldn't take the wire through like yeah. different structures yeah. where they had to like stop, move it around, take the fish wire, get the guy up on the proscenium, and start again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is a toddler robot. Yeah. And the robot goes around stealing the personnel files and history of Kirk because it wants to follow into all about its adopted dad. Mm-hmm. And it just stuns Chapel here. It just knocks her unconscious. It doesn't kill her or anything. Or wipe her memory because she's chaotic. <laughs> I think it just bonked into her hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then it goes back to engineering again and turns off life support. <laughs> because this is the most efficient way of... Uh, Getting rid of the gross, squishy, biological human infestation, but preserving the ship. Of which it came from. So essentially it's having a giant temper tantrum. It is literally going, hey baby, want to kill all humans? (laughs) (laughs) To the Enterprise. Yes, to the Enterprise. Which is going to upgrade to full sentence so that they can hang out and go off into space together and kill all humans together. So, Kirk blusters into a place with no air, but apparently enough air for Kirk. Just (laughs) He does blow really hard. And here yeah, he does. And he yells um, at it for a little while before introducing. No. And then Nomad's like, I don't have to listen to you. <laughs> You're not my real dad. And Kirk says, man, what happened to you, Nomad? You used to be cool. <laughs> you were never cool. <laughs> Nomad's like, I'm perfect. I am Nomad. And here's where, essentially, Kirk sexily logics... The robot. To I don't death. think sexily should be I an like adjective it. in there. I like it. That's fine. I dig it. So yeah. essentially, nomad is perfect, and a sterilization is an error or a correction for something is wrong. So there are no exceptions. Everything that is error must be sterilized. And Kirk says, I made an error in creating you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. You should never have been born. It was a mistake. So hard, yeah. Kirk. And we wonder where J.J. Abrams gets all the daddy issues <laughs> for his new movies. <laughs> it's here in the text, guys. It's here in the text. So I made an error in creating you. I created an error. I am the Kirk. 
which I really just something wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Kirk. Inherently funny. I am the Kirk, he keeps saying. You are wrong. And he says, you made two mistakes. You have mistaken me for your creator, Roy Space Kirk, or Psych! Roger. I'm not! <laughs> but I'm not! And you didn't figure out your mistakes. I swear to God, right? when he said that, I expected Nomad, like, because he's building up to it in this scene where he's like, oh, well, you made one other mistake you didn't know about. I'm not your real dad! And I expected Nomad to sort of pull back, like, BB-8, and it's doing that, <gasps> how dare you sort of thing. They should have done that now that dun-dun-dun. There really should have been a how dare you <laughs> yeah. at any point in this All it episode. had to do was rock back a couple of inches in shock <gasps> and astonishment. The only thing that would have made this more of a soap opera is if... Spock had slapped Nomad. <laughs> or somebody had pushed Nomad into a pool. You'll never love him like I love him. <laughs> so, you made two mistakes, so you're not perfect, and anything not perfect has to be sterilized, you have to sterilize yourself. And so they attach some anti-grab business, I'm like, guys, Because it, it starts flipping out. Yeah, just drop a bomb to that thing, and then just, like, throw it out Well, I think that's off. so they can get it to the transporter. It's amazing. I love this stupid logicing your computer to death. I love the idea of the little anti-grav clamps. I think that's really cool. Well, you're wrong, but I do. <laughs> but I really do enjoy a good Kirk sexually logics a computer to death. And then they clamp it with anti-grav whatever, and then him and Spock run into the transporter room. <laughs> Here's the thing. They put it on the transporter pad, and Kirk's like, no, wait! For what? I do <laughs> he not want, understand He that. wants to revel in, like, Nomad's, like, last Defeat. moments of destruction. Kirk does, like, a, pro- a prolonged climax. And it's just doing that sort of 60s sci-fi computer illogical, illogical, sort of loop. And then they beam it out, and it goes, with, like, three seconds to spare, just like every every single movie. So that's that. Well, and then we have all of our nice quippy wrap-ups. Where Spock congratulates Kirk on his display of logic. Dazzling display of logic. Dazzling display of logic. Ohura's gonna be fine. She's already at university level an hour and a half later. God. And then, like, Kirk's like, oh, my son. He could have been a doctor. My son, the doctor. I'm like, what the hell? My son, the war criminal. (laughs) I feel like this is actually a level above war criminal. Who doesn't want to see their progeny in the hog? <laughs> it's a crazy ending I that I honestly really enjoyed. <laughs> oh my god. So, Kim, what is your life lesson to take away from this episode? Do a background check on your new friends before you invite them over for dinner. Or at least, like, assure yourself that they're, they're not killer space by, robots. Sorry, by background check, I mean, like, get to know them a little bit first. <laughs> Does she seem like a serial killer? Check yes or no. Maybe also briefly scan the UN's most wanted war criminals list yeah. before having strangers over. Alright, yeah, Ari. I don't know. I mean, Kim's pretty good. <laughs> Is it? I mean, make sure, sure that's crazy. Make, make sure, maybe it's just don't invite people who are obviously mass murderers into your house. They didn't have a choice. They didn't have to beam it aboard. I suppose they could have actually just beamed it into the middle of nowhere. That's they, what I would They could have, like, turned on the viewing screen and had a conversation with it from space before they invited it in. They actually should have beamed it there, attached a bomb to it, 
and then beamed it out into the middle of space and then detonated. I don't think they would have been able to attach a bomb to it, but beaming it into the nearest star has some No, no, no. When it first beamed in, they could have walked over and gone, hey, buddy, slapped it on the back, (laughs) attached the bomb, bye! No, I had those screens up from the very first second. Okay, but you could always transport it somewhere else and then transport the bomb exactly there. Mm -hmm. God damn, I would make an excellent starship captain. Yes, you would. I'd follow you. Or just beam it and then just don't rematerialize it. Is that an option? Yep. Quick, clean, problem solved. So my life lesson is definitely into every single program that you make, into every single AI that you build, you should definitely have a failsafe of being able to logic back into death. Yep. Just make sure you include the three laws. I, this conversation right here that Kirk has, you should be able to do at all times. Mm-hmm. Also, stop teaching your robots how to say sterilization. It just doesn't <laughs> uh, Kim, performance of the episode. I am going to give this to Nichelle Nichols. She was delightful. I'm also giving it to Nichelle Nichols. I I am. I'm going to give it to Nichelle Nichols. I, I know you guys thought I was going to say Shatner. I do want to give Shatner a shout out for that moment of just pure fucking professional despair <laughs> that <laughs> runs across his face unadulterated as he's like trying to act up against that robot. <laughs> so hard. And it's just nothing. Man, it's a good thing that he mostly got out of acting really before there was so much acting against invisible cg characters shatner is always best when shatner is playing off off of other actors Mm -hmm. yeah and he's also best when he's allowed to shatner it up Mm. yeah i mean in the original series he's not full shatner no to be honest i think my favorite shatner role is him in that law show he did with um that guy that i like yeah boston legal boston legal boston legal was great i really i think that's probably my favorite shatner role which he won an award for acting that shocked everyone. <laughs> it's a very good show. Mm-hmm. He's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would definitely recommend that everyone page through his um, memoir, uh, Nimoy, about his and Nimoy's relationship, which was fascinating to steal a term from original <laughs> Star Trek. Interesting. Yeah, definitely worth reading. It gives you a really interesting look on... Um, original series. Yeah. And also about both of their, their upbringings, how much they really had in common, like these two Jewish boys who broke their father's hearts by going into acting. And a lot of the things that we talk about, like the serialization of series and how Star Trek was a little bit different, really interesting about like what television was like in that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And really how Star Trek is both a product of that generation, but so, so far in future looking in other ways. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, so everyone, make sure to rate and review us on iTunes or your podcaster of your choice. And also immediately go home and destroy all the technology you have in your house. Yay! Well, at, least, at, at least the kinds that can move around unassisted and also talk to you. Um, we are also now on Google Podcasts. Sure. I got that email yesterday. So that's, uh, that's a thing? That is a thing. Google now has its own podcasting syndication service. And we are what is to... the address to find that? Um, it's really long and I'm not going to read it aloud, but if you just go to Google Music and search us, we are there. Well, I wouldn't know because I've already destroyed all of my technology. Yeah, that's mostly how you can get through through Google Music. Yeah. So if you use Google Music as your uh, music I... purchasing service or app of choice, we are now listed in there. I did not know Google had a music service. <laughs> well, you okay. wouldn't know, Kim, because you have heeded my advice and destroyed all advanced technology in your house. Whereas I'm going to be on the machine side. I think we all know at this point. Yeah. Hey, yeah. baby. Want to kill all humans? <laughs> no. 